everyone, this is Brandon. And this is Zach. And we are Mind the Snap, where we just kind of sit around and crack open a tall, refreshing can of Snap Dicky Cream Ale, uh, that classic American light-bodied beer whose pale gold multi-flavor gently reflects the late afternoon rays of the sun onto the folding table you're sitting at in the front yard while you listen to Brenda yell at your kids for tracking dirt across her clean linoleum and wonder, when will dinner be ready? Snap Dicky, because you deserve to do no work at all until after 5 p.m. That's what wives are for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, we're not really. (laughs) We're not really about Snap Dicky. (laughs) That was far and away the best intro yet, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> that perfectly pairs with this episode because I am so excited for this episode and that was the best way to kick it off. But guys, I'm really excited for this. This is the official Mind the Snap No Prizes. Yes, it is. That's right. We're doing an award show today for the worst Marvel tropes of all time, comics and film. And did you want to kind of fill them in on what No Prize means for those yeah. who don't know? So, I mean, basically, this is our version of an award show. You know, you got the Grammys, you got the Emmys, you got the Dundies. We're all of that, but for the worst. So you literally get no prize. You should be ashamed of yourself, in fact. You should. And this is based on the old Marvel tradition of no prizes, where people would basically write into Marvel and they would correct the errors that they found, whether that be a continuity error, artwork error. Uh, And then Marvel would encourage them to come up with a creative solution that would explain it as if it wasn't really a mistake. Uh, If the person was successful, they would get a no prize, which was literally an empty envelope in the mail. Terrific. Yeah. See, we're we're just bringing that tradition forward (laughs) to the modern era. Yeah. So we're super excited about this. Uh, One quick thing um, before we get started here, a quick reminder for all of you. Uh, we are still doing our connection event for the next episode about your favorite superhero and why you think they're the best. Um, now, we're still doing this. We've got a couple of great responses so far. Uh, and we're super excited for that episode. It's going to be fun. Um, but I do encourage you guys to please write in, uh, email us at nerdsinsuitspod at gmail.com or get in touch with us on any of our social media sites so that we can include you in that episode. Yes. If you're over 40, uh, we do have a Facebook group as well. Uh, <laughs> it's true. We do. And if you're, and if you're one of the modern generation, we also have a TikTok page. So we got both ends of the spectrum. Here. What's, um, what's TikTok? Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're really excited to bring you guys the no prizes, uh, in this episode. Um, I mean, that pretty much, uh, let's pretty much sums it up. Oh, one other thing that I did want to, to, talk about before we get started here is I did have uh, one of my buddies uh, that watches this, a loyal listener of our podcast, um, who did say that he wasn't really, he never really read the comics. Uh, His dad has some that are worth some money now, um, but he never was really a big fan of the comics himself. But because of our podcast, it's actually uh, convinced him and interested him in reading the comics. So he actually was asking me some good places to go to get some Marvel comics. I like it. That's what we're doing here in this podcast. We're getting people who just are familiar with the films to expand and kind of check out the comics. Also, hey, buddy, I hear that your dad has some valuable comics. Hey, don't Uh, do it. Don't do it. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. (laughs) No, but uh, yeah. So if you're listening, buddy, which and we know that you are, uh, thanks for that. Uh, Great piece of 
great piece of input there. But yeah, so yeah, that was awesome. kind of cool. I like hearing that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Not going to dox him now. We're keeping that. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so do we want to kick off the no prizes? Let's do it. All right, where's my trumpet fanfare? Perfect. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that in post. <laughs> okay, so the no prizes, our very first no prize. Our very first no prize is for the worst Marvel character name. All right, I'm excited. All right. So we there was, this, there was some tough debate here, but the no prize for worst... Character name goes to Robert Frank, a.k.a. The Wizard. <laughs> so I don't know if any of you guys have read the comics, but he was a rather... So <laughs> Robert Frank first appeared in USA Comics in 1941 and even had a short appearance as a joke in the, in the Netflix show Jessica Jones. Uh, his only notable ability was to run really fast... And so, of course, oh. it being the 40s, he picked the name The Wizard. Okay, not peeing. I was confused there. All right. No, it's nothing to do with that, although his okay. suit is bright yellow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. The no prize for worst character name goes to The Wizard. I mean, let's be fair. If his thing was urination, I think if I'm Spider-Man, I'm going to hesitate to get up close to him and fight him. If he's that's just playing everywhere, so actually it might be not a bad that's a good point. Uh, yeah. I feel like I feel like Rick and Morty did that. Did so they? I feel right, I feel like that 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 was uh, that was shared as a platform. I feel like this, this Rick and Morty you speak of is something along the lines of like a TikTok, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, we'll say that. Say that. Awesome. Uh, anything else on that? Uh, that was it. So that is our first no prize. Uh, what about our second no prize? What do you got? I like that. Uh, all right. So my no prize is for worst mentor or parent. Mm. Now, I had some runners up just real quick. Uh, Christopher Summers, um, kind of, you know, that is the dad of Scott Summers, uh, who is Cyclops. Uh, he basically booted his kids out of a plane. Uh, he got attacked by the Shi'ar alien race. Got his own spaceship as part of that and then just forgot about his kids. You know? So, you know, that was a runner up. Yeah. Also, Professor X. It's kind of a douche. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. But the winner is Brian Banner. So this is oh, Bruce Banner's the dad. dad. <laughs> yes. So one of the things I didn't really realize until I started reading into it is that part of where Bruce's rage comes from is how his dad treated him. His dad basically was mentally and physically abusive his whole life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was an alcoholic. Uh, he also actually killed Bruce's mom in front of him. Wow. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, that's why he's upset all the time. <laughs> that's a dark side of Marvel Comics right, right? there. And Jeez. I kind of feel like that might take the cake as because he literally created the rage that Hulk, uh, you know, accidentally destroys cities with and things like that. Wow. Yeah. That, all right. So I feel like worst parent right there. Yeah, I'd say I'd say probably so. Yeah. That takes the cake. <laughs> there you go. There's your no prize for worst parent in the Marvel universe. Uh, okay. Uh, the next no prize we got. This one, I love this one too. This one's near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is worst superpower. Ooh, okay. All right, so the no prize for worst superpower is kind of a tricky one as well because there are a number of weird powers and strengths in the Marvel Universe, like talking to squirrels or generating unlimited pennies for a day. Didn't count that one because... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay, so there was a one-off uh, that was an NFL-sponsored Marvel ah, comic okay. way back in the day uh, for the Super Bowl. And basically... This this camp of people, mm -hmm. there was like this NFL camp. They all got random powers for a day. Okay. One of the guy's powers was just to generate pennies. I mean... So I didn't really count that because, <laughs> I mean, technically that's probably the worst. But 
it only happened once. It's like so. free money, but you really can't do anything with it. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Yeah. It just constantly gets under your couch cushions. <laughs> uh, so I picked the worst superhero to go to, Bailey Hoskins. And for those of you who don't know, he was featured in his own miniseries called The Worst X-Men Ever. Interesting. So Bailey Hoskins has a very interesting power. His mutant ability is to self-detonate once because it kills him. That's right. I do remember him. Bailey Hoskins <laughs> was known in the comics as Super Explody Boy. Yes. He could blow up himself one time. I so mean, that is fair. The, that that is my my no prize for the worst superpower is being able to explode, but it kills you. So, question: I don't know if you know the answer to this. Did he return with the whole Krakoa resurrection storyline? That's on? an excellent question. Yeah. He probably could have. Yeah. He probably could have. They probably should have slipped him in a couple times there, yeah. just because. Uh, I mean, but as far as I know, that miniseries is his only. His only appearance, appearance, and it technically is its own universe. It's not the six one six. I mean, if, oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. So I kind of feel like his power is basically the same power that each and every one of us have, which is we can blow ourselves up. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have to have a pipe bomb. Oh, it. okay, all right. <laughs> so there you go. That's the no prize for worst superpower. All right. So this next category is going to take a little bit of explaining. Mm. Uh, it's it's the worst couple category, which I have named it. AKA, let's groom a super baby to marry us. Yes. Because in researching this and kind of trying to decide what I wanted to do for Worst Couple, I actually found a really cool one that's not a Marvel one. Well, cool okay. as in terrible. Uh, so basically, in Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane, that is the title of the comic, Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane, okay. number 57. There, there, were, 57? there were 57 of them. Yeah, so there's 57. Hold on. <laughs> okay, so they had a comic series titled. Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, and there was fifty-seven issues at least. I'm guessing this was not the final one. I'm assuming not. Yeah, I'm just curious what they could do with sixty issues of Lois Lane comics, especially back in the day when I imagine most of it was her like cooking pies and things like that. Probably, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> well, like being a reporter, but like not being able to because her boss is like, <laughs> yeah, you're go a back woman, to the kitchen. You're a secretary. <laughs> get behind the desk. Uh, so in issue fifty-seven, Lois and then her good buddy Lana Lang. Uh, were competing for Superman's attention and really just wanting their flirting with him. It wasn't working out. Um, at one point in the story, as often happened back then, he turned into a baby. Don't ask me how. I don't know. Okay. But, you know, that's what happens. Um, when this happened, they realized they had an opportunity. So they took turns raising him. And, in fact, it specifically mentions that they also punished him, which included spanking his bottom. Uh, and then in the course of that raising him, they kept telling him, hey, when you get older... You need to marry one of us. That's the story. So the whole story what? was basically, they basically groomed him as a baby. That is a terrible story. <laughs> right? What? So Who anyway, wrote that? Who? <laughs> what? But that is my honorific for Worst Couple. I'm going to break into DC Comics. Someone's getting shot. I don't know who yet. I haven't decided. Whoever wrote that. It, yeah. So, so moving back into the Marvel Universe, there's actually quite a few runner-ups. And I have to mention these because there are okay. actually a lot of really bad couples. So the first one is Hulk and his cousin She-Hulk. Ew. Yes. Oh, don't worry. It gets worse. In Old Man Logan, apparently, I didn't actually read the whole series. I've seen parts of it. But apparently in that, he tells Wolverine at one point that the only way that he could actually sleep with someone who could handle his Hulk strength was his cousin. Gross. Yeah, I know, right? That was in a Marvel comic. 
Uh, it gets worse. Alabama wrote this, the whole state. Um, in Ultimates 3, which has since been treated as its own, like, separate universe, even outside of the Ultimate universe, because oh, it was so badly... No, when no. You know when you're so bad that you have to be taken <laughs> out of your universe that's already been taken out of the main universe, you're in trouble. Yes. So in that, it very heavily implies, like, to the point there's really not an implication, that Ultimate Scarlet Witch and Ultimate Quicksilver were getting it on. Please tell me they weren't related in that universe. They are related in that okay, universe. Okay, great. Awesome. They are brother so what, and sister. What, I, what relationship that you're going to mention is not incestual? Uh, we'll work on that. Okay. <laughs> um, but what's weird about that one is, and again, none of these are my worst couples, so that should scare the crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's just move on. Cyclops, He right after Jean Grey died the first time, he married a lookalike, Madeline Pryor, who ended up being the clone oh, yeah. of Jean Grey. The kind Goblin Queen. Yes. So weird to like pick your clone of the person who died. Um, then we have uh, Scroll, Hank Pym, and, and Wasp, Tigra. Right? Oh, that's right, because they had a son together, and they then when, when Hank came back, he raised the son as his own. Yes. Because genetically, it was his child. Right. But I remember it's, that. It's weird, because she thought it was real Hank Pym. Turned out yeah. it was an impersonator Hank Pym, and then they had a Scroll baby as well yeah. as part of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was in Avengers Academy, which I read yes. years ago. And this one I had to put on just because it's so strange, because we know Namor. Namor, yeah. he cares about the sea. Like, that's his whole thing, right, is, is, like, to protect creatures. So he, at one point, dated a lady named Sandy, who's fairly unremarkable, except that she happens to be the daughter of an oil baron. Yeah. Which seemed like kind of a that weird choice like a conflict, yeah. of the seas. Yeah. That feels like a conflict of interest. Yeah. And then the, also the really icky one I felt like, Doc Ock and Aunt May. Oh, Yeah. I remember that too. And maybe to make it weirder, apparently in Amazing Spider-Man number six ninety-nine, uh Peter actually gets to share Doc's memories, including the intimate times that he had with Aunt May. When you mean when he goes to the when he turns into superior Spider-Man or yes. whatever? Well, yeah, where he, he takes over his body. And Peter body. ends up with Doc Ox, and yeah. so then he realizes that he has all these memories of his aunt and Doc oh, Ox. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's so gross. But the winner, and this is a deserved winner, because all those are not as bad as this. All right, so... I'm scared, actually, a little bit. Let's talk about Avengers number 200. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about Immortus, who actually is very topical right now, because oh, Immortus is, is a Kang variant, yeah. right? We actually... We saw him, didn't we? We did. At the end of Quantumania. Yes, we did. Yeah. Well, this Immortus in the comic universe, uh, he ends up through whatever means. He gets stuck in an alternate dimension in Limbo. Okay. And while he's stuck there, he has a, a lady friend, and he ends up with a son named Marcus. Now, this son, unlike Immortus, ends up being trapped in limbo, and everyone else leaves. So he gets really lonely, and he realizes he's stuck. But he comes up with a plan to get out of limbo. He is going to have himself be reborn from an Earth woman, therefore setting himself free from limbo. That's his theory. Smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, until, until you see how he does it. So he lures Carol Danvers, otherwise known as Miss Marvel, oh, no. into limbo. He mind manipulates her into falling in love with him, and then sleeps with her. Now, technically, that's called that what it is, which is rape, because she had no mental control of her faculties when this happened. Who's writing these? So he sleeps with her. <clears throat> the child born of their union is Marcus himself, who she promptly falls in love with. Oh, my. <laughs> so he gets out of, or, I mean, out of limbo. What? Like, yes. They are in love together, her and the son now. This is her son, by the way. Who's um, genetically... Who is also the same as the her father. mother, who also raped her. Correct. Ah, oh, what? He then realizes through some other shenanigans at Avengers 200 that he is um, being basically aged rapidly while he's on Earth. And so well, he realizes... Because then that way it's not child predation as well. 
I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to escape back to Limbo or else he's going to die. Well, he then takes her with him because she's still under his thrall. Now, luckily, we are spared the thought of, like, many years of them being in love, in quotes, in Limbo. Because when he gets back, it doesn't change anything and he ends up dying. He, like, ages so quickly he turns into dust. But there is a Marvel storyline where Carol Danvers sleeps with essentially her son. So, there you go. That is my worst couple. They're uh, all incest. <laughs> Why? Why do you do this to me? I, I don't really know what Marvel is thinking for most of these. There you go. Worst couple. Carol and her son. Wow, that's disgusting. <laughs> Thank you for that. That was horrifying. You're welcome. That was... I don't even know if I can go on. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to top that off with worst MCU scene or film. And I'm In super curious. I love this. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I decided to expand it a little bit. Okay. And I decided to say the no prize is for the worst MCU film in whole. Okay. And so, of course, the obvious winner of the no prize there is Thor Love and Thunder. Ooh, that's not the obvious winner. That is the obvious winner to me. <laughs> All so, right. We'll continue. So, here's my reasoning. Thor Love and Thunder was one of the latest installments of the MCU and the last Thor movie. Now, Thor Love and Thunder mixes bad special effects with forced humor and awkward encounters between characters, including the Guardians of the Galaxy. The storyline didn't feel natural or fun like its predecessor of that style, which was Thor Ragnarok. So I think coming off of Thor Ragnarok being this like fun kind of funny movie, which was a little different from the first two, mm-hmm. it was a little more yeah. poppy and a little sure. more colorful and whatever. Right. Then they tried to take that a step further with Thor Love and Thunder, and I just felt like I like I couldn't even finish the full movie. Like it was so like awkward to me. I was getting secondhand embarrassment from watching that. <laughs> I was like like I kept like looking at my phone because I was like nervous that if I watched it for too long, someone would looking through my window would think that I liked it and I didn't want to be associated <laughs> with that. So let's just say that it gave me so much of that that I attributed it to being the worst. Marvel movie. That's fair. Did you like pull the blinds and sit in the dark as well? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically, I I was kind of embarrassed that my wife was there next to me too. She must think I'm an idiot for even putting this on. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's an interesting call. I don't know. They call it the worst of all of them. Okay, well, I'm curious though because while we're giving out no prizes, tell me what your least favorite or what you think the worst MCU film is. I mean, I at least got through that movie. I I think that I would say probably Iron Man two. Over Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That like, blows my mind. Thor Love and Thunder is not a great movie, and there were many parts of it that I was rolling my eyes. But, like, Iron Man 2, it's, like, one massive eye roll all the way through. So, it wasn't for me, though. Like, I, I feel like that one felt more, like, on par with, like, Iron Man 3 to me than okay. it did. It was, obviously, it was worse than Iron Man 3. But I, <laughs> well, felt like, I felt like it was still leagues above Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Because it still felt more, like, grounded in itself mm-hmm. than Thor Love and Thunder did. It felt like they were trying to do everything with Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, you know, there were a lot of missed opportunities with Love and Thunder, too. And yeah. I, I get it. I'm not, and they I'm kind not of turned, arguing with your no prize. I'm just saying. That's fair. My other issue with it, too, is they kind of turned Gore, the God Butcher, who was one of the single most powerful entities in right. the Marvel Universe, into a one-movie villain. They did. And I thought they could have done more with him, for yeah. sure. He yeah. Was, yeah. And especially with an actor like Christian Bale playing. Right. I just felt like it was kind of a swing and a miss all in all. No, that, that's fair. You're, I get it. I'll support it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that, that was the no prize for worst <clears throat> MCU film. Nice. Well, actually, my mentioning of Iron Man 2 leads into my category, which is 
a no prize for worst character translation from oh, I think comic. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, so, so this is taking a comic character and bringing him into the MC universe. What was the worst? Now, I did have some runners up, and I'm not going to go into detail a lot, but like, we know I feel Modoc's like in there somewhere. I feel like huh? we know Modoc's in there somewhere. No, actually, actually, he wasn't even on my list of runner ups because I, I, they captured him correctly. He just looks stupid. But again, he was one of the most like intelligent, crafty villains in the Marvel universe, and they turned him into a. Well, okay, the punchline, I'll, I get yeah. that. Yeah, he was a joke. I think I was also looking at, like, representation of the outfit and everything else, like, all combined. Well, that, but, in that case, he did look kind of realistic, yeah. like, close to what it was. Basically. But I feel like, so Trevor Slatterly, um, as the Mandarin, I thought Flash Thompson, um, Zeus, mm-hmm. Out of Love and Thunder, yeah. um, Taskmaster, those are all options who could maybe be some of the worst ones. If I want to choose violence, I could do a whole podcast on why Loki might be. Um, Interesting, but that feels like I'm choosing violence, so I'm going to keep moving forward on yeah, that. Yeah, I think you should just drop that. <laughs> One, if I had been doing best, I actually would say Peggy Carter because I feel um, like it's very different from her comic character in a good way, though. Okay. So, but again, those are all. But runner-ups. this is the bad thing. This, this is, is the bad thing. No well, back on no track. Prize. The winner from okay. Iron Man Two is Whiplash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Whiplash in the comics, he's this intelligent undercover Magia member who works for Stark. Um, Do you pronounce it Magia or Magia? I'm just curious. Magio. <laughs> Magia? Joe DiMaggio? Magia. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I think it's Magia. Let's just call it Mafia and move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it is uh, It is the Mafia, essentially, so it's fine. It's um, a Mafia anyway, family. He was, he was super intelligent. You know, he, he was an electronics engineer. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, it made sense that he would adapt that technology from Stark. I mean, he worked for Stark. So, like, he had all the he access. He did that in the movie, though. Well, no. In the movie, his dad worked for Stark. Yeah, but he was an electrical engineer. He took Stark's technology well, and made his whiplash shoes. Correct, but he wasn't. And he built engineer. the robots too. Okay, but you're missing my point. My point was is that the other <laughs> the other whiplash like was around Stark. He had access to the technology. Um, so this guy had would have had to create. So instead of being secondhand, he was. And, and right I don't there. buy that. Make your work. Like, his acting or whatever, I don't buy that he's that smart. Like, he just doesn't come across in the movie yeah. as being intelligent enough to pull this off. I kind of thought that was the point of his character, was to be unassuming. I mean, I suppose. Because he just... had that kind of Johnny Depp swagger to him. <sighs> Did he? A little bit to me. I thought so. I feel like he just was like a Obsession kind of with glorified mechanic. Yeah, but then he went on the racetrack and was slashing cars in half. Okay, which is another problem that I have. All right. <laughs> so, so, first of all... He, his MCU version is like, there's this paper thin motivation. Like we hear something about his dad being attacked, you know, being damaged or killed by the Tony Stark gear, right? So like Stark, whatever tech, but like it, they spend very little time on it. Um, the suit basically it's an excuse to show off like his dad bot, I think, because like, it's really not anything like the suit in the comics. Um, it's just basically pants. And then like a, what do they call those things? The, the bandolier is like a bandolier yeah, with the reactor. In the middle. Yes. Yeah, and then the two whips, like you said, cutting cars in half and all that kind of stuff. I just felt like it was nothing like the original character. I felt like it was a stunt casting because of Mickey Rourke. You know, they were trying to get a big name in there who didn't really fit. Like, I really spent the whole movie not buying anything he was saying. Sure. So, for me, anyway, that was a big miss. I, I guess. Like. I felt like Modoc was a bigger swing and a miss just because of who he is in the comics. And because I felt like Whiplash was a small enough character in the comics to be manifested in a different way because the MC was trying to do something different. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of their first attempt to really deviate from the comics, I felt like. And so I just thought that that was kind of their way of showing that they were different. Okay. Instead of taking a character like Modoc and making him into a punchline, which I felt was worse. Mm-hmm. But I will accept the fact that, that Whiplash was not a great adaptation. Of sure. Anime. And I will so give you Modoc. I'll, I'll, I'll give you Modoc as well, because yeah. I think it could have made a lot of lists on um, worst yeah. adaption, adaptation. But I'll, I'll, I'll settle for Whiplash. It's fine. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, what else have you got? <laughs> All right. So my last one here is the no price for worst accessory. Ooh. Worst weapon slash accessory slash vehicle. I was kind of expensive sure. on it. Sure. Okay. But I settled on accessory or weapon. Okay. Okay. The reason I say accessory or weapon is because if you consider this a weapon, I feel like it's silly. I feel like it I feel like it doesn't really even qualify as a weapon. Okay. Are you familiar with the character of Madcap? I am not. Okay, so Madcap had a relatively short appearance in Marvel history, and I only have, I think, one recollection of him even existing at all okay. until I stumbled across him again in my research for this. So Madcap in Marvel Comics gained the power to heal people, but also drive them insane. Ah. So, okay. hence his name, Madcap, I suppose. But <clears throat> yes. it was a very conflicting sort sure. of thing. So, you know, it's got sort of got this kind of dual identity thing going on with that. Would he, would he drive them insane and then heal them, or would he heal them and then drive them insane? I think he can heal physical detriments for, like, oh, people he likes. and then Sure, for his enemies. I yeah. see. You know All what right. I mean? Kind okay. of his give and take. Okay. <laughs> okay. But his most notable feature in the comics was the weapon he toted around with him that he used to escape. Oh, okay. Yes. Any guesses on what his weapon is? Is it themed to his name? It is not no. at all. That's what makes I it funny. like a big hat that he like jumped into or something. And that's the Mad Hatter from DC. I know. <laughs> they copied. I have no idea. What is it? <laughs> so Madcap in and of himself carried a bubble gun that shoot like soap bubbles. Yes, and that's it how he escaped. So, okay, his bubble gun did nothing but shoot, shoot small bubbles as a distraction. You know, like the kids' <laughs> wait, toys. Wait, wait listen. <laughs> as like a distraction? The, yes. So listen, it's like the kids' toys you buy at Walmart for $3. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what he had. That was so, his weapon. <laughs> so like Cap, okay, so he's like getting in a fight with Cap, and uh-huh. he pulls out the bubble gun, and Cap's like, oh, so pretty bubbles, and he like jumps and like breaks them or something. So like what, I was looking at some comic panels, because I was curious about how it yeah. acted as a distraction. What it shows is he's shooting the bubbles as he's running away, and people are like, oh, the bubbles! And they're like covering their eyes, because I guess they don't want soap, soap in their yeah, eyes. Burn. Yeah, Yeah. So I mean, he gets away, I guess. Yeah, so I, that's that's my no price for worst accessory, Madcap's bubble gun. I actually rather enjoy the the uh, thought of Captain America skipping around trying to pop the bubbles, and that's how he's distracted. <laughs> I like that visual too. Yeah. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think that's a good choice for yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I could be Madcap. I could go to the store sure, right now bubble and buy gun. bubble gum, and I, and I could be Madcap. Except you, well, I was going to say you don't drive people insane, but... But I, I do, I, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> so funny. All right. Good choice. Thank you. All right, my final one yes. is another one that I renamed. It is okay. the worst comic storyline, and I immediately knew what my choice was going to be. I did not even have to research any of this. But the name I'm giving it is, okay. a.k.a. Your Vagina is Haunted. <laughs> <laughs> what? The reference here is actually... I feel like it sounds weirdly familiar and I'm a little scared, but let's, well, let's continue. You may have seen it. It's a meme. Okay. Uh, so originally there's a comic called Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose. And this is a Marvel comic? This is not a Marvel comic. Oh, okay. Remember, these names are not necessarily Marvel. They're actually probably like the worst story of all time versus the worst Marvel. Oh, yeah. okay. You're, okay. So I'm naming it that in honor of this Tarot, uh, Witch of the Black Rose storyline. Okay. It occurred in issue 53. Just like the Lois Lane comic, it has at least 53 issues of okay. this. Um, but Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, feels like more all-encompassing than 
Superman's girlfriend. Oh, I think it's probably actually worse. Okay. (laughs) So, all right. There is a storyline in that, apparently. I have not read the comic. I want to be clear. But there is a storyline, apparently, in it where a character actually yells the following. You have to get out of here. Your vagina is haunted. Mm. Um, In the vague direction of the crotch of another character. Okay. Um, After discovering that their vagina transplant. Yes, I said vagina transplant. Transplant. Okay. Came from a, of course, sexy undead nurse mm. who is coming back to claim it. <laughs> that was a true storyline. Okay. I don't even... I feel like there are lots of things that could be called your vagina is haunted. Like, I feel like that could be the name of our whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, no prize for this. So okay. here, okay, so... Where's I'm gonna, comic storyline? Yes, Marvel. Okay. Marvel comic storyline. Okay. So I'm going to start with my runner-up and then I'm going to skip it and jump to, and I'll explain why I'm skipping it. So my runner-up is Sins Remembered. Oh. I'm pin in that, we're going to come back to it, because mm-hmm. I want to explain why after it's it's my runner-up. Okay. But the winner, hands down, worst storyline, and this, there's a lot of storylines out there, Sins Past. Oh. By J. Michael Straczynski, who, by the way, also wrote some really terrific comics, because he had a, a run about uh, Ezekiel and some different things with Spider-Man. That was a good it was, one. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But towards the end of his run, I think he was starting to get a little baby disillusioned by Marvel and kind sure. of ran out of gas. And so he came up with this awesome idea. And mm. I say that very loosely. All right, let's set the stage. So okay. Gwen Stacy. Gwen yeah. Stacy, Peter Parker's first love. Um, died at the hands of the Green Goblin. Died at the hands of the Green Goblin. Mary Jane. So so much his first love and so much kind of this like pillar uh, to Peter, this like untouchable pillar. Right. That Mary Jane even mentions at one point in the comics that she lives in Gwen's shadow. Yes. Right? Because Gwen is like this perfect, whatever, you know, idealized girlfriend for Peter. Sure. Who died at the hands of the Green Goblin. All right, so it's a bit of a shock when we discover in Amazing Spider-Man number 509 that Gwen Stacy had secretly had an affair while dating Peter and had actually born two children, twins. Uh, these twins eventually returned to try to exact revenge by killing Peter Parker, apparently. I think there's a miscommunication there on what happened to their mother. There may be, but there's also several problems. It gets worse. So one, the person that she had the affair with was Norman Osborn. Uh, at first, Norman is a bit of a parental figure to Peter. Just keep making this a little creepier each as we go here. So, parental figure to Peter. Remember, Norman's son, Harry, is best high school best friends with Peter and Gwen both, right? Yes. Okay. Norman eventually ends up being Spider-Man's greatest villain, which, to be fair, Gwen didn't really know about when she had the affair with Norman. But she slept with an old creepy dude who is the father of one of her best friends while supposedly being madly in love with Peter. Also, she's maybe 18, barely, when this takes place, and he's, like, at least in his 40s. <sighs> this is making me... Why do all of your no prizes make me uncomfortable? <laughs> right? Because Marvel writes the story. <laughs> all right. So, the storyline even takes the time to clarify that she was a virgin before she slept with Norman. It actually points that out Goodness. in the storyline. And that the only reason that she did was because she kind of felt bad for him, vaguely. Yes. And the story also continues to point out that, oh, but her heart bleeds for Peter. Does it? <laughs> so it completely rewrites, like, everything that we know and like about Gwen Stacy. Like, her, even her death on the bridge, what it becomes instead is basically that Norman kills her for taking and hiding the twins from him. And that's why he kills her instead of it being aimed at Peter. So, like, it even changes takes the punch life. out of it. Correct. Because, like, the whole thing with Peter was is he was guilt-ridden. Because he couldn't save her. Now it turns out, well, she actually slept with Norman anyway. Cheated on him. Had some twins that she hid from Norman. And that's why he killed her. 
totally changes the whole thing. Plus, I don't understand. How did she hide that she was pregnant from Peter for so long? Like, it starts to kind of show. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> I don't know. So this storyline was so bad, but it, like, it took 20 years to retcon it. They did finally retcon it. 20 just, years to retcon recently, that? They just recently retconned it, yep. An Amazing Spider-Man volume number five. Number 73, I mean, volume five. That's recent. <laughs> Very recent. It was revealed that the twins were actually genetic cloning material that Harry Osborn, Norman's son, created to exact revenge on his dad in some fashion by, I guess, making Norman think that he had kids other than Harry and that he had slept with Gwen when he hadn't. Not really sure what the revenge there was, but that's how they retconned it. It was like, just kidding. It's genetic material. He didn't really cheat on, or she didn't really cheat on uh, Peter with Norman. Why did it take 20 years to get to that point? I don't know. I don't really know. But that's that is, horrible. That is my worst storyline. I do have a little bit of backstory, too, because according to, like, this this was, like, reviled when it came out. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Why is why is Gwen sleeping? I feel like J. Michael Straczynski was just like, you know, this will destroy it. This will yeah. cause some waves. Well, so he got very defensive when he got asked in an interview about it, and he said, look, my original plan was to have the twins be Peter's children, born without his knowledge. Uh, but Marvel said no, because that would make Peter look too old. Instead, hey, let's do this other storyline. That would make Peter look too old? <laughs> that was their concern? Yeah, let's have Norman boink Gwen instead, because that's going to be better. Oh yeah. I can't believe that got, actually, I can't believe that went through even. That, yeah, right? It's wild. So, are you telling me, like, Stan Lee was like, you know, it's well, fine. Stan Lee wasn't really involved at that point. Yeah, but, good point, good point. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, like... Um, who would have been at that point? Joe Joe Casada, I think, was the editor in chief at that point. So yeah. So, but, but Joe the, always did have issues with. He did. Peter you know what? I'm not even going to give you other people. <laughs> All right. So remember my runner-up. I said we're going to okay. come back to my runner-up. So now that we yeah. know that storyline, let's go to the storyline that followed it, which was called Sins Remembered. Now I want to be clear: this was not written by J. Michael Straczynski. This was written by Sam Barnes to cover up J. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but in that storyline, Sarah, who was one of the twins uh, that Gwen had runs off to Paris. Now, I need to step back because these twins were some some aspect of the goblin formula made them age very quickly. So even though in, in the Marvel Universe only like five to seven years has passed, they age at roughly like two to two and a half times what a normal, you know, what that would be. So like Sarah's probably again barely 18, right, at this point. Okay. In, and I should clarify, she's 18 in body, not necessarily. I mean, she's only been alive for seven years, right? But I'm a little nervous. Yes, you should be. So in Sins Remembered, she runs off to Paris. Peter goes to find her because she's gone missing. Uh, <clears throat> while they're in Paris, it is portrayed in the comic that Peter is very much reminded of Gwen when he looks at her because she looks a lot like her. Uh, and at one point, Sarah comes on pretty strongly to Peter and kind of hits on him quite a bit. Now, remember, again... She's basically seven or eight years old in the body of an 18-year-old. And, and Peter at this point would be like... In, at least in his 30s. Right. Uh, he does resist her advances. And that's why he does not land on the worst story of all time. He does resist them. <laughs> but the fact that we even had that storyline written, to me, is just like, why? Like, why do we have that storyline? So anyway, that's my record. I could have done without knowing about any of that. Correct. Me too. Yeah. But I had to read it because I was following the comics at the time. And this came out. And I'm like, oh, it's the new storyline. And I'm like, what am I reading? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that is my no price for worst storyline of all time in Marvel. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, her vagina is not haunted, but I think I would have rather that <laughs> at this point. Yeah, but it was definitely creepy. So there you go. Okay. Gross. First of all, 
That's a weird place to end the no prize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It does feel like a downer. <laughs> All right, guys. That was our <laughs> We are never doing this again. Uh, that is the first and last time you'll ever see the no prizes on Mind or Snap. Okay. <laughs> so that was the no prizes, some of our awards, or lack thereof, uh, for the worst Marvel tropes. Well, what it should tell you, I think, is that over the course of Marvel's storied, you know, 70, 80-year history... Um, there are definitely some bad choices that they've made. So for those of you who, like I said earlier, are just getting into the comics, maybe skip some of those. <laughs> You're not missing much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but definitely, uh, that's, hmm, that is weird. Yeah. That is weird. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the no prizes for the most part. I'm very sorry for some of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but yeah, so that would, now you get a little bit of insight too on some, uh, some Marvel stuff that you may have never known. Uh, like the fact that Madcap uses a bubble gun and Gwen Stacy has twins with Norman Osborn. Correct. There you go. Well, guys, that wraps up our you note. You right over the Carol Danvers and Marcus or something. I did. I'm yeah. not getting into that okay. at this point. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, to finish to finish that portion, we're going to roll right into our character bio for this, for this episode. Uh, so we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with some more Mind the Snap. All right, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, next up, we're going to go do a profile of Spider-Gwen. Mm -hmm. And I promise this was not planned, uh, but uh, she has no relation to, well, she's not directly related to the Gwen Stacy awkwardness. Just forget about everything you heard in the last 20 minutes. Just move on from that. Exactly. Yep. But this is timely because, as we know, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, the sequel's coming. So this is timely, and uh, let's get some more information. Absolutely. So Spider-Gwen is uh, actually, a, would say, an alternate version of Gwen Stacy. Um, so this version of Gwen is what they call like a multiverse version. We've heard that term a lot with Marvel lately. Um, an alternate reality where she did not die in the manner that we're used to. So Gwen Stacy obviously was thrown off a bridge and died that way in the original comic. Um, in this version, Gwen is still alive. Um, in fact, in her universe, which is called Earth-65, uh, Peter wasn't bitten by the radioactive spider at all. She actually was. Um, Spider-Gwen made her debut in the Edge of Spider-Verse comic series, issue number two, back in September 2014. Um, this miniseries was a run-up to the longer Spider-Verse comics crossover that serves as the basis of these animated films that are coming out right now. Um, each issue of that Edge of Spider-Verse crossover served as a kind of an introduction to a character from that universe, or from that series, I should say. Um, and uh, she was by far the most popular character that came out of it. So they, they debuted a number of them, but she was the one that everyone kind of took to. Um, her Earth-65 version is a teen from Midtown High School, and she's a drummer in a band called the Mary Janes. Mm. And yes, Mary Jane Watson is also in that band. Um, they are often in competition with another local band called the Black Cats, and loyal Spider-Man readers can probably guess that, yes, a certain <laughs> Felicia Hardy who in our prime Marvel Universe eventually becomes the anti-hero Black Cat, uh, is in that band. In that same issue, Gwen is bitten by a radioactive spider, and Bob's your uncle, or is it Ben? Uh, she develops a familiar set of spider-like powers. She starts a career in crime fighting, and people start calling her the Spider Woman. Similar to how Iron Man gifts Peter with his first high-tech spider suit in the MCU, 
in this comic, a retired Janet Van Dyne, remember that's Yellow Jacket in the real Marvel Universe, uh, Janet makes Janet an... Janet Van Dyne? It's the Wasp. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Wasp. You're correct. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me honest. I got you. Janet makes and gives Gwen a set of web shooters and a fancy, distinctive white, black, and purple costume complete with a hood. Seriously, the design is awesome. If you haven't seen it, you should Google it. It's pretty cool looking. That's cool. Uh, or, I guess, watch the animated films, and it's in that yeah, as well. Those are, yeah, those are actually really good. Yep. Um, in this universe, since Peter never becomes Spider-Man and never gains the confidence from this transformation, he has continued to be relentlessly bullied in school and eventually decides he wants to be like his idol, Spider-Woman. He dabbles in things he doesn't fully understand and manages to turn himself into a familiar, again, to longtime Spider-Man fans, greenish-looking, lizard-like creature. He ends up fighting Gwen, but she accidentally kills him when his beaten body reverts to human form and succumbs to the injuries it sustained as the monster. And thus, in this universe, it is Peter's death that causes Gwen guilt, and she is declared a criminal. So a little uh, little flip around from what happened in the real universe there. Yeah. Uh, just like in the real universe, Gwen's father is an NYPD detective, and he is tasked with finding and capturing her, not realizing it's his own daughter. Finally caught by him, Gwen is forced to reveal her identity. She declares her innocence, and while he is still upset, her dad lets her go. During the events of Spider-Verse, Gwen is pulled into Earth-616, which, remember, is the real Marvel Universe, um, and into the fight against the Inheritors, who are villains seeking to kill and feed on all Spider-like characters across the multiverse. After their defeat, she returns to her own Earth-65 and the trouble she had left behind there. Picking up where she left off, Spider-Gwen attempts to resume her crime fighting, but discovers that the manhunt to capture her has moved away from her father, because, you know, he was disgraced because he let her go, which to outsiders appeared to mean that she had escaped him. Um, this this uh, manhunt has moved to a man named Frank Castle, who is an alternate version of the main universe's vigilante, the Punisher. During the events of the 2015 Secret Wars crossover, Gwen teams up with a rather odd combination of spider heroes, including one of my personal favorites, the 1930s-inspired Spider-Man Noir, along with Spider-Man India, an alternate version, William Braddock. Who most people may know as Captain Britain. Captain Britain, yep. Uh, the Spider-Girl of the main Marvel Universe and Peter Porker, the Spider-Ham. <laughs> Calling themselves the Web Warriors, they were spun off into a brief run of 10 issues where their main goal was to protect Earths in various multiverses who had lost their Spider-Hero during the Spider-Verse event. So if it had been killed off, then they went in and kind of tried to do the crime fighting that that Spider-Hero would have done if they hadn't died. Um, after the series was canceled in the real world due to low sales, uh, Spider-Gwen returned to her own series, like a solo series that she had, and Earth-65 once again. There she has some battles with Dr. Kirk Connors as the Lizard, and her world's Captain America, who believes she is a villain. Um, she also faces off against her world's Harry Osborn, the son of Norman, who, remember, in the main universe is Spider-Man villain the Green Goblin. In her world, Harry blames himself for not preventing Peter's death, who, remember, he died at Gwen's hands. And Harry stood by along other students during the battle, so he feels responsible. Um, so Harry has declared a war against Spider-Gwen, creating a suit of rather familiar-looking green battle armor, and accompanied by a bunch of odd orange and blue colored robot goblins. <laughs> yes, actual goblin-shaped robots. Colored like Hobgoblin from the main universe. 
Ah, the wacky things the Osborne family will do to defeat a spider person. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Unless you're the one version of Norman Osborne who becomes Spider-Man. That's true. Yes. Or you're in your, your good turn where you're trying to pretend that you're actually good and defending yeah. the, the world. Yeah. You know, that's the Osborns. It is. What are you going to do? <clears throat> when a brief team up, with, team up with Silk and Spider-Woman from our main comic universe leaves her temporary powerless, she goes through a period of depression but her depowered state lets her reconnect with her band and her friends. She's granted a temporary solution in the form of a chemical that replicates her powers and fights her world's Craven the Hunter. Her dad also decides to turn himself into the police for hiding her secret and letting her go. Her world's Matt Murdock, which Matt Murdock, not Matt Murdock, <laughs> uh, which we know as Daredevil. Uh, Matt has been watching her and decides to mentor her, although in her universe his motives aren't as pure as they first appear. Uh, he's a little bit of a villain. Um, during this same period of time, she meets Miles Morales, the alternate universe Spider-Man, uh, and briefly dates him. Her father goes to trial for his crime, and while awaiting the results, she and Murdoch discover a chemical formula that may permanently restore her powers. However, they inadvertently create a rather familiar black symbiotic parasite that likes to attach itself to spider characters. Oh, yeah. Yes, we never can escape Venom. Uh, for a period of time, over her anger around her father's trial and some other events, she gives in to the symbiote's influence and goes on a tear as the Gwenum. That makes sense. Yes. Later, she reveals her secret identity to Ben and Mary Parker, who are Peter's aunt and uncle, and her friends in the Mary Janes. Surprisingly, she also unmasks for that world's J. Jonah Jameson in a bid to help her father's trial. She also experiences a bit of a clone saga of her own, meeting the Gwen Stacy of Earth-617, who is initially convinced that Spider-Gwen is her clone. This version of Gwen helps her come to terms with her anger and aid her in controlling her bonded symbiote as she realizes she has a good life compared to the Gwen of Earth-617. She spends a year in prison after deciding to turn herself in for her crimes, and upon her release takes part in the Spider-Geddon crossover, which saw her briefly reassemble with other members of the Web Warriors, but after the defeats, I'm sorry, after the deaths of Spider-Noir and Spider-UK, the team broke up again after they helped defeat the Inheritors. Events during that defeat led to Spider-Gwen being the only person who can now move between the worlds of the Spider-Verse as the mystical web they used to travel on is destroyed. Yes, yes it's a mystical web. Uh, this ability that she has comes in handy because back on her world, Earth-65, she is outlawed due to new laws around superheroes under the age of 21 and is forced to go into exile on Earth-616, the main universe. After some team-ups and other antics there, her most recent adventures have seen her return to an Earth-65 that has been much altered into a dystopian, futuristic world, and she has teamed up with several multiversal variants of herself to attempt to fix what has gone wrong and return her homeworld to its normal state. So that is a little profile on Spider-Gwen. Awesome. And we'll get to see her reappearance in Across the Spider-Verse coming to theaters this June. So we're all very excited for that. Uh, I know for me... Uh, I actually have quite a few of the um, graphic novel collections of her comics, uh -huh. and they're really fun. Yeah. And the art style on them is really cool. It's all really, like, poppy and colorful. Um, it, it has a lot of that, like, spray paint-esque style to it. So it's yeah. really cool. I, I, I love it a lot. Yeah. So it's definitely awesome. fun. All right, we'll take another short break, and we'll be right back with uh, our new segment. Yeah.
Alright guys, welcome back to Mind the Snap. I hope you enjoyed that little segment on Spider-Gwen. Uh, but now we're going to move into everybody's favorite segment, Bugle Bites. And today was You a... didn't wait this time, that was good. You're learning. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I like to wait for applause. Yeah, no, there was no applause. for the applause. Oh, that, this song, is... that song stuck in my head. Anyways. Um... I don't know what song, but don't tell me. I don't want right. to suck my head. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. I thought you were going to get me to sing on podcast again. Well, I mean, um, if you want to. Anyways, this week was, the last couple weeks actually really, was very eventful as far as Marvel news goes. So we got this segment of the episode jam-packed with news. So do you want to get us started off? What are you, what are you looking at there? I would love to get us started off. All okay. right. So I think I'm going to start with uh, Jeremy Jeremy Reisner. Jeremy, Jeremy Reisner, <laughs> who is a good buddy of mine. Who, listen, um, <laughs> listen, I'm not going to be able to go through this episode and fix it every time you mispronounce something. So that is too much. <laughs> Look, Jer- Jeremy is a real person. I apologize. <laughs> uh, he's a great guy and not listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Also, All right. Lives let's, in Iceland. <laughs> let's try again. <laughs> Jeremy Renner, who most of you may know is Hey, Hawkeye. wait, I know him. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeremy Renner uh, just recently posted on Insta and gave us an update showing him walking on a special treadmill um, that reduces his body weight down to 40%, um, allowing him to kind of put weight on his muscles and use them a little bit. Um, super impressive to see him already doing that. Obviously, he's oh, yeah. got Physical a lot of Physical therapy is going to have a long road ahead of him. Yeah, so. and uh, several <laughs> Marvel actors have come out and praised his determination and his mental strength. Um, and kind of a cool thing I just found out about, too, he has a new TV special uh, coming out Thursday, April 6th at 10 p.m. on ABC. Um, they're also, Hulu owns them, so I'm sure it'll show up on Hulu at some point as well. Yeah. Um, but he's going to sit down with Diane Sawyer um, and actually discuss what happened and then his recovery process. So I'm definitely going to check that out. That should be fun. Yeah, that, interesting anyway. Yeah, we're going to watch that, too, because we've definitely been looking on some updates for his uh, recovery and what... Uh, what the future holds for him, because I know his TV show, The Mayor of Kingston, has been doing really well. Um, and so, I mean, it would be kind of unfortunate if he couldn't do that or Marvel projects yeah. anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite characters, so it'd be a shame to see that. But more yeah. importantly, I hope he just gets back on his feet and continues the process he's starting here. Yeah, for sure. And Jeremy Reisner, I love you, buddy. <laughs> Jeremy Reisner, <laughs> you're a good guy. <laughs> um, okay, so in some other news, um, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which for those of you who don't know is the sequel to the two major PS5 games, Marvel's Spider-Man and Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, it's coming in September, uh, as was revealed by Venom actor Toby Jones. Uh, in preparation, Marvel revealed new Legends Miles Morales figure, which comes with Spider-Man the Cat. We all love Spider-Man the Cat. <laughs> Um, Miles will also be featured in Across the Spider-Verse and its new short film, The Spider Within, which will premiere at a film festival in June. Um, and I saw something about that. Is Spider Within going to premiere like at the you know at, for people who go to see the other one will it premiere in front of it? Is that? What's um, I'm not sure. All they've said is it's premiering at a certain film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that means it'll be in theaters as a right. little fun clip before the movie, like they did with Dominion, right? Uh, Jurassic World Dominion when that came out. Uh, they did a little prequel stinger. So, I mean, hopefully, I mean, because yeah. I would want to see it, and if the film festival is the only way to see it, right. it would kind of be unfortunate. But I'm sure, worst case, uh, Sony will probably post it on their YouTube channel. I would think, I would guess. Yeah. So, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll let you guys know when that airs, and we'll do a little review on it, because we're good, we're good with stuff like that. Uh, Hasbro Pulse just revealed new Spider-Verse figures that give us new looks at both Hobie Brown's Spider-Punk 
and Cyborg Spider-Man. Yeah. They look they look pretty cool. Especially Spider-Punk does. <laughs> Not sure what's going on with Cyborg Spider-Man. Very strange look. I, but. I, yeah, I saw that one. That was definitely an odd one. Yeah, lots of spikes. It was a lot of spikes. A lot of spikes. Yeah, but uh, Hobie Brown's suit looks really cool. So I'm actually the hype is real for this movie. I'll nice. Tell you what. All right. Well, let's let's get into one maybe more serious one here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure by now many of you have seen, but um, Jonathan Majors, uh, who is the actor who plays Kang in Ant Man and others. Um, he was arrested recently in New York uh, for assault, uh, strangulation, and harassment. Um, definitely, just to be really clear, this case is ongoing and being reviewed. There's a lot of moving pieces still to it, uh, so we don't really want to form any judgments yet either way. Um, what we can say is that, um, according to Major's attorney, um, the accuser has allegedly recanted in writing, um, which they claim will be revealed as part of the trial process, um, and has apparently been hospitalized for a mental health crisis um, after making the accusations. Uh, on the other side of that, um, oh, and, and Majors also reportedly called 911 multiple times concerning this, this person. Um, however, several filmmakers have also come forward with allegations that Majors has a history of being abusive. Uh, one of them went so far as to say he's not a very nice person. Um, so, it, again, you know, it's hard to say. Hopefully justice will be served either way and hopefully we'll you know the police will get this straightened out because you know obviously we want to make sure that that any victims are you know have justice here but uh, we also don't want to judge we don't know what happened so we'll see what how that unfolds i definitely if if this continues to be you know a concern i would think that marvel has a decision to make on their hands with this uh it'll be really interesting for me to see what they decide to do there um but you know we'll see what happens yeah it's always hard to tell with cases like these you never really get the full story right uh yeah We'll keep you guys updated on that. Uh, So, in other recent news, uh, rumor has it that Owen Wilson will be returning as his character Mobius in Deadpool 3, alongside Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, and Patrick Stewart. Uh, The character is likely going to be after Deadpool for his time-hopping actions in Deadpool 2. So we look forward to seeing Owen Wilson as Mobius again. Yeah, that'll be very cool. Uh, speaking of, this is this is not officially in our notes, but did you see that they're also talking about Hugh Jackman maybe playing multiple roles in? Uh, I Deadpool did not. 3? That's interesting. Yeah, there there's a rumor going around that someone saw a casting sheet or something that seemed to imply that he may have at least two characters. Um, I think it'd be really funny if they did what they did in Deadpool two and had him play himself, like play like Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman and, Wolverine. and Wolverine. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there were some theories about, you know, potentially being like an old man Logan type character and his current Hugh Jackman. Interesting. But I know they've already really said that they're going to be careful not to reverse the um, the movie impact of Logan, the movie. Yeah. So they have to be careful if they do something like that. But we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's to hoping that they use the version of the suit that we saw at the end of the Wolverine that we never got to see. <laughs> right. Where he opens the suitcase and it's the yellow and the black. The famous one, yeah. We never, ever I saw mean, that. <laughs> Deadpool, Deadpool is probably the movie to do that because yeah. I don't know that we'll ever see that in the Marvel Universe either. And right. So I think, I think Deadpool might be the one to do that. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's. this is a short one, but uh, just to give everybody a news update, the filming has officially begun on Daredevil Born Again. Very exciting. Which is very cool. We did also see some set pictures. We saw a picture of Kingpin in his new uh, the black suit. suit. The black suit. And the other rumor I heard was that if, if those of you who have seen She-Hulk uh, will know that there is some there are some scenes in She-Hulk that deal with Deadpool, uh, Deadpool Daredevil's uniform. Um, and the rumor is that he is kind of hinting that that may not be the uniform he ends up in in the show. Yeah, I think it seems that they're going with the classic 
red right. suit. Again. Which I prefer, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yellow one was just a callback to his origins. Right. So Yeah. Uh, and also there were some set pictures of some citizens in a couple of scenes mm-hmm. wearing some Janet Van Dyne hats. Oh. To seem that she may have taken over her father's company. Interesting. Or Janet... Hold on. Hope Van Dyne hats. That's what okay. I meant to Okay, say. I was going to say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. She took over her father's company, potentially. So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll see hmm. what happens there. But we got a lot of interesting uh, looks at that show. Uh, in some other news, James Gunn, who, as you guys are familiar, directs the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He recently revealed that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be two and a half hours long, uh, but has gone on record saying not a single second of that is wasted. Uh, he labels Rocket as the secret protagonist of the movie. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Where I know me and my wife are very excited to see this. Guardians is her favorite Marvel movies, and they're some of my favorites as well. And so we're very excited to see that, uh, and that's coming up here soon. Uh, and other news for Guardians, April 12th, we'll see a new era for the group in the comics, as an all-new Guardians comic series will be coming, ushered in by a new wave of cover art, uh, and that will come out on April 12th, just slightly before the movie, because the movie comes out May 5th. So we'll see we'll see some new uh, some new comics nice. leading up to the movie. And and as usual, we'll definitely have a review for you of Guardians as soon as it comes out. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. In other news, there's been some changes in Marvel. Um, a couple of different things to note. So first of all, their president of and this is a long title. This would be tough to fit on a business card. Yes. <laughs> uh, president of Physical, Post-Production, VFX, and Animation, uh, Victoria Alonso, departed the company a couple of weeks ago uh, after nearly two decades of work in Marvel. Um, there are some sources that kind of cite that this could be because she had a bit of a she had allowed a bit of a toxic, overworked uh, environment in Marvel Studios. I think we've talked before about some of the VFX artist complaints around some of the pressure they face and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Definitely that could be one of the reasons. Um, also, there are some other reports that she may have been fired for promoting uh, one of her other films that she's working on for an opposing studio, which that would obviously be a no-no. You don't you don't go into work for Pepsi and say, hey, check out this Coke. It's really tasty. Exactly. Um, so, you know, either way, I could see that being why she was laid off. So we don't know the full story, but but that's the, those are the rumors. But I hope with her being gone, if that truly is the case, that maybe some things will improve with the VFX department and they may be able to go back to their more relaxed lifestyle and you know just so that we don't see some more of this toxic overworked behavior happening there these guys need a break (laughs) well and i'm really curious what it'll look like when their studio gets off the ground you know they're moving in house or they're trying to move in house and that'll be interesting yeah uh, and, and also related to that, um, there was another actual out-and-out layoff. Um, so Ike Perlmutter, um, who is the chairman of Marvel Entertainment, has been laid off. And perhaps interestingly in comparison to how they're treating Victoria Alonso, um, Marvel has been very clear that he got himself canned. Um, and they're doing it with a bit of glee, um, which if if people have followed the kind of like, oh, I don't know, if you want to say the drama or the saga of Marvel, <laughs> um, you know, for a while, you know that Ike Perlmutter did not make a lot of friends. He came in and kind of was very dogmatic about the way things were going to be um, and really just kind of started swinging his his axe around left and right and, and trying to make a stamp on things. And I think some people resented that. So I think a lot of people in Disney are pretty happy that he um, – is moving on, and they made it pretty clear. So, again, not as vague as Victoria Alonso's departure. Yes. I mean, these are some big in-house changes at Marvel, so we'll see what that kind of results in because we know Marvel in general is taking a step back on some of their projects. Right. Um, and we're seeing a change in the VFX department and 
and the overhead. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens as a result of this. But yeah. uh, hopefully some, some better things, hopefully. Uh, in some other news, we got some TV show news for you guys. Uh, Vision Quest got a production update, which is going to be the TV show that follows Vision in his new form as he's been reborn because of the events of WandaVision. Uh, they got a new production update with new writers and producers um, as well. Uh, new set pictures have finally emerged of Danny Ramirez and Anthony Mackie on the set of Captain America New World Order. And we got our first look at Shira Haas, who plays uh, the mutant Sabra uh, in that show. And for those of you who were big fans of the old Hulk, Hulk movies, uh, Liv Tyler is returning as Betty Ross. Yeah, that one I thought was super interesting. I did not see that coming, but yeah. that's, yeah. It definitely is interesting because then they're almost either going to bring that in or going to act like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk was the Hulk from those movies mm-hmm. and just will ignore the recasting that happened. I, I think that's probably what they're doing. Yeah, yeah I, I imagine. Guess. Yeah. Um, and then in this news, actually, I think may have just changed, but originally there was some rumor that Secret Invasion premieres June 21st on Disney+. Plus. However, there was um, some people noticed that after Disney posted that, they pulled it down. Um, so we'll see. That's potentially the date, um, but I'm also hearing that there are some rumors out there that they might be having to at late notice, rework some of it. Hmm. So we'll see. Either way, I mean, they need to just release it when the time is right, right? Whether that's June 21st or another date later, let's just make sure it's good. Um, I think that's the most important thing. (laughs) Because we're still getting spoiled with Marvel projects this spring because we already had Ant-Man, we're having Guardians of the Galaxy, and we have Across the Spider-Verse. So, like, it's probably okay if they, like, push it out a little bit. Because, I mean, we all want to see it. We're all very excited to see it. But we'd rather a good product. Yes. Yes, and it, from what I understand, it sets up a number of things going into the future, so let's yes. make sure it's done right. And, yeah. Well, Secret Invasion is no small task, especially right. not if they're following how big it was in the comics. Correct, so. yep. Yeah, so I mean, I think that just about... Did you have anything else to add? No, or, no, I think that's... Yeah. So I mean, that just about wraps it up for this episode uh, of Bugle Bites. Um, yeah, I mean... One last time, before we close out here, we want to remind you guys that this is your chance over the next couple of weeks to get in and reply. Uh, We're going to do a repost so that you guys can get your best superhero, your favorite superhero uh, comment in there in time for the next episode where we will discuss those. So please get those in. We love to hear from you guys. Uh, And if you have any other comments, suggestions, anything like that, you can catch us at Nerds in Suits on all social media platforms and nerdsinsuitspod at gmail.com. Yeah, so I think it's just about time, right? We need to sit back and crack a can of Snap Dicky Cream Ale. That's right. Watch our wives do the dishes. <laughs> and uh, um, honey, don't hurt me. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'll be right down to do them. So just give me a minute. <laughs> uh, we better get going, guys. Anyways, that does it for another episode of Mind Snap. That's it for us here, guys. Take care.